Welcome to The Point. My name is Andrew Paul, and today we're going to listen to an interview I took from a dear friend, Jamie Brevik. Jamie's a brilliant trumpet player, composer, arranger, designer, and I love everything he does. This is Jamie. What do you got back there? You got, is that your own roads? Yeah. This is, you know, getting the basement hooked up a bit. Is this where all the magic happens? I'm trying to get like a little home set up, you know? So, um, like I've got a few little recording remote things to work on, but, um, I haven't done it a lot. So. Yeah. It's not the most fun work to do. Right. I had, I did some right. stuff for, a recently for a, a Glendale friend actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted some horn stuff and it took me forever to get it done. Cause I, I was like, Oh, I don't want to do this poorly. Right. So uh, I just never did it. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> no, I mean, I eventually, get, eventually got it done, but it, it, right. it took a, it took a minute or two. Yeah. I, I yeah. also noticed that your, your AirPods are called the nicest dad ever's AirPods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nathan set them up for me. So I was going to say your kids set those up. <laughs> they didn't did. They? <laughs> they did, yeah, yeah. Classic. <laughs> yep. I didn't, I wouldn't even know how to change the name on there. He did. So he did it. Yeah. But, um, well, at least, at least he put something nice. Yeah. No, of, like, it could have been way worse than that. Yeah. So what, what's, tell me about, uh, case man you just you just released this uh uh tape right yeah we um it came out january 1st um and it's the first technically new thing on the label b5 recordings which is which is another pandemic project and um so yeah released it as a cassette who knew people had cassette players still i did are they buying them yeah yeah, we're almost, oh, sold, we're almost sold out. I mean, we only made 50, but which isn't a lot, but, um, you know, um, it was, they're relatively inexpensive to make and I, they're cool, man. And actually I ended up getting a tape deck just so I could play it. I didn't even have a tape deck. I didn't have a boombox, nothing. I didn't have anything to play it on. Um, so I got a tape deck and man, it actually, it sounds good. I, I, my memory of cassettes is faded for sure, but like, um, I'm actually really happy with how it sounds and, um, nice. they're just kind of cool and nostalgic, you know, people, people of our age, um, know what tapes are and my students don't know what they are, but, um, what do you mean our age motherfucker? Yeah, I'm right. 25. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. But I mean, the, the, it's, you have a sort of like nostalgia thing that's happening with vinyl and that people are into that. And so, um, I don't know, it's cool. It was a thing, you know, I think people, you know, the streaming thing is, is what it is, but I think to an extent, there's a certain people want like a tangible thing that they can hold on to. Like, what can I buy? Can I buy LP? Actually, people want LPs more than anything, but like, um, it wasn't my idea to do the cassette. It was Ian's idea, who was the, the DJ in the group. And he, he, had, uh-huh. he had done a cassette before and he was like, oh, we should do this on cassette. And I was like, oh, really? People like, people want a cassette? Like, he's like yeah we should do a cassette so we did it on his suggestion and i'm really happy we did it um but it was a live album so it was something it was a gig we had recorded back in 2019 um at at company brewing in milwaukee in river west and um we kind of whittled it down to like four tracks out of the show um and so yeah i guess it's technically an ep but i mean whatever whatever that means i mean it's 
technical jargon. It's just the album, you know, right. four tracks. Nice. And um, yeah, the reception's been pretty good, and people seem to dig it. And uh, I think I've got like eighteen left. So damn of the of the tapes. So that's that's more records than I've ever sold ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the other thing. I'm serious, having, man. I've been having this conversation with with multiple people. Um, in fact, I just talked with a great trumpet player in Chicago uh, yesterday. Uh, we zoomed in Marcus Carroll, and he's starting a label of his own as well. And we were just talking about this exact topic, like CDs. Like, okay, should I even do CDs? And then back, you know, back in the day, it was like, oh yeah, you get just get a thousand. It was like assumed you would just get a thousand CDs, you know. And that's just ridiculous. Like, bro, know, I've got boxes full. That's of what I mean. Everybody old does. CDs. Everybody does. Yeah. And so the last couple albums, I've, I've been kind of whittling it down. Like two albums ago, all right, well, how, how few can I do? You know, what's the shortest run? And we did like 300 of the Lesser Lake CD. I think we sold most of those, but then the they need like 100 for press anyways. And then the, mm-hmm. the Don Cherry tribute album um, that was also 2019 or came out in 2019. Um, I just, that was just digital, but uh, the label Shifting Paradigm still needed uh, – you know, a handful of CDs to ship out for press. And um, so I did as few as possible and then ended up being just a download um, yeah. as far as what I sold. But, um, and then, yeah, we did a tape for the case one. But yeah, it's just a, we're everyone's feeling, feeling it out still, like streaming, well, how many CDs, do people even want CDs anymore? Or LPs are right. in demand, they're great, people buy them, but they're still expensive to make. You know, Fuck. so is it worth it to, you know, risk spending a couple thousand dollars on making like 200 records if you can't even sell that? So I don't know. Especially when there's no gigs to sell them at. That, right well, now. yeah, especially that. Yeah. Right. So it's, yeah, it's been, it's been just kind of a lot of thinking about that process and like what's worth it. You know, where I don't, I'm just not trying to lose, trying not to lose money on anything really. Yeah. But. Or, or at least not to lose too much money. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, break even would be fucking fantastic for right. any of us. But Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is it, is so, it an uh, yeah, right, right, right. Just break how much even. do you sell the, the case tapes for? Uh, 15 bucks, which is... 15 know, bucks? That's yeah, amazing. Which is with shipping, you know. So, yeah, 15. Probably should. I probably could have done more, but... You sell them all through Bandcamp. Yeah, just through Bandcamp. Yep. Wow, mm-hmm. that's an that's seems like a incredible success. I just think selling, so. Yeah, and with with no publicity, really. I um, it's just it's just all off running. You know, just uh, mar- marketing wise. I didn't again as the first uh, product for B side. It's like we just kind of did it ourselves. I have a couple people that I could work with for publicity. Um, uh-huh. but this one was just, we just did it, just got it, wanted to get it out there and you know, it, it is what it is. So yeah, no, it's, it's gone pretty well considering. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. I got to get on there and buy that. I'm going to do that when we're done here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I there's... love buying fr- friends things because it, you have a tape player though. That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to go on eBay and buy one of those too. Yeah. Yeah, you can find them pretty cheap. You know, it's funny. 
making tapes is what I would do at Nicolet with fucking tin foil. Yeah, you dub them yourself. Oh, those were the days, man. Them. I remember bringing, get, getting like printing my own, you know, album art in Photoshop three. It was right. probably then. Right. And I'm bringing it to school and showing the girl I liked, like, check this out. Right. I'm on a record. Right. And it worked. It worked. I had a good day that day. It worked out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's huge. That's a big deal in high school for sure. But yeah, the, 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 I love that process of that too, though. It's very personal, you know, and it's like meaningful, you know, because you put the energy into it yourself. And um, that's kind of the, the idea with this whole thing, you know, anyways. You know, cases you the DJ and uh, drummer or keyboard uh, player, bass player. So bass player. The the story behind the the the, the band itself, actually, the the DJ Ian Carroll, um, he moved to Philly. Actually, he lives in Philly now. So he's we have a different guy who you know, Jordan Lee. Probably he used to yeah, he's great DJ with the Rusty Peas, and um, he's uh, the programming director of Radio Milwaukee. Um. But he's he's a new guy. Anyhow, Ian Ian was a former student of mine from Mapledale, and oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the as as the story the legend tells, he uh, the seventh grade talent show. He was a drummer in my band. He played he played in the concert band and the jazz band. But he uh, the seventh grade talent show rolls rolls around or the middle school talent show whatever. He was in seventh grade. He did a DJ set. I had no idea that he was into DJing at all. And he shows up with his table and his turntables and his crate full of LPs. And this is like a, you know, 12 year old. And he does, he does this. In my mind, there was like a smoke machine. And there might not have been. It was a long time ago. But he, it was like, <laughs> he had thought it all the way through. And he did this incredible set. And everybody was just like, did I just see? And he, I remember at the end of it, he took the record and he was like, wow, like broke it, smashed it. It was like a big deal. You know, it was like the, the you know, Hendrix or whatever smashing his guitar at the end of the set or whatever but <laughs> he, he was kind of a quiet unassuming kid and he did this like imme immensely like hyped up like dj set at the, at the middle school talent show anyway I, I just like kept that in mind i was like man he is onto something he's, he's cool and but he played in jazz band he played drums he took drum lessons you know he was a good drummer too um but then you know fast forward years later um i, I would hire him when he was in college uh, he went to uw madison um, when he was in college, I, I started hiring him to DJ in between sets of mine and shows I uh -huh. was doing. So I'd have him come in and, and spin records. But in Madison, he was working all the time as a DJ while in school. Uh, every hip hop show that came through Madison, he would DJ, you know, and Epic. he just he was and, and he was producing, too. Um, in fact, the, the rapper who was on the, the record, uh, his name is Crash Prez, Michael Penn. He, he's in Chicago. Um, Ian produced like most of his stuff and it's killer it's really great so anyway so Ian I had Ian in mind for something and then um, the other one of the other main projects I, I'm in is called the Lesser Lakes Trio with Devin Drobka and John Christensen and at the time this is about two years ago um, Devin who's a great drummer was uh, became very busy with um, Chris Porterfield and his band Field Report and they, they're huge. Uh -huh. They're like affiliated with like um, Boney Bear, like Justin Vernon, uh, and their record was out on Verve um, at the time. And so Devin uh -huh. was touring all over with Field Report. And so John and I are like, man, we can't, you know, we got no gigs with Lester Lake. So we were just kind of lamenting 
and brainstorming on ways we could continue making music without Devin, um, just because he was busy at the time. And so I was, I, for some reason, in the back of my head, I always had this idea of a jazz, quote, trio or quartet or something without a drummer, but with a DJ replacing the drummer. And so uh-huh. Im- immediately that was like, hey, let's try it out. Like John on bass, myself, and then Ian doing, you know, sort of the role of the drummer. But then he also, um, you know, is really savvy with like Ableton live and like sampling and like dropping in like chord pads and on top of loops and beats and scratching and all that stuff. So he is really kind of orchestrating a lot of it. And then um, myself just, we would just improvise. So we, we um, ended up, there's a place in Milwaukee called uh, the Highbury on KK and Lincoln and, and Bayview. And it's a, a notorious soccer bar. It's like very well known actually as a soccer bar, but the owner is a big time music supporter. And he's, is, I think the place opened in like 2000 or 2001, I think. And yeah, I think I remember playing there. Yeah, you probably did. Yeah. You, back shortly in, after it opened. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure yeah. you did. Yeah. Because it was like the whole scene from like the Nomad and the Estate, like all those bands, like right. De La Buena, like it was like that, all the kind of just followed over there. And it was really actually a very busy music venue for a while. And it kind of, kind of through the years kind of scaled it back. But, um, you know, I, if in this case, I, in, in other times I've done it too, I just hit Joe up and be like, hey, I've got this new project, this new idea. I want to kind of workshop it. Like, you think it'd be cool if I could play there like once a month or something like that? And, and I, when I told him what it was, he was like super into it because he's like hip hop, jazz, like experimental, like that's what he likes. So uh-huh. he was like, yeah, like how, however often you want to play. We ended up doing like every other Saturday for like about a year and a half, just wow. uh, twice a month and working it out. And we just improvise. Like nothing is set. There are no tunes, no charts, no arrangements, no preconceived anything. And the record is the same. We recorded the night of that. Like it's just nothing on there is charted out or um, planned out. Like literally, it's kind of a joke actually we, between the three of us. We're like, okay, you start something. You know, so Ian will right. start something, or John will start up a bass, uh, bass line, or I'll start up a little mel- melody line or something, and and uh, we go from there. So that's what the group really is. And then um, in the case of the the recording, we brought in a, a keyboard player, Scott Courier and uh he's the worst yeah i know right Scott is the worst. You, you couldn't find anybody better i know i know you probably know him from, i'm just kidding from scott Claire, i love you right? you know him from eau claire yeah. right did you go to eau claire yeah we played yeah we played a bit up there yeah 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 scott's a monster he's fantastic yeah he is and then uh tony barba who's a great tenor player who i met when he was in chicago and he lives in madison now but he lived in new york before that for a long time um for a decade or so um and he's great he's on tenor and bass clarinet and then uh michael the rapper crash prez is on the whole oh, wow. album also so yeah i think we just recorded a night a gig you know and and uh there's a little bit of editing on it there's not there's no like overdubs or anything or add-ons or anything it's all there's some moments where it's like some, some edits um because some of the songs are like you know 20 minutes long or something so you know epic jams but um <laughs> but uh yeah I, no, I'm, I'm laughing because i love it it reminds me of like playing like coming into town and playing with the chicken oh yeah no that's and, that's the vibe for sure yeah yeah that's exactly it yep yep so uh yeah so we we uh chopped it down to like four tracks and put it on a tape and there so it's it. tape only and digital also you can download it through Bandcamp. Okay. um 
but uh, and it's on streaming as well. But I don't even want to tell people that. It's yeah, it's like it is on Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon and all that. But yeah, it's uh, preferably download downloadable from uh, Bandcamp or on Good Steps. By the tape. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I got to be honest. I don't think I've I've heard. I don't think I've heard you play any of this before. Has this been the first time you've released any music of it? Of that band? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. There was gotcha. like a couple little maybe like iPhone recordings I had put up on SoundCloud for like a minute, but I pulled them down. Um, so yeah, there's not. This is like kind of the first bit of that band that's out there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Your your design is relatively identifiable these days. Um, so because I see the design of some of your things, I automatically assume that I've, I've heard it because it looks so familiar. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, there's that killing album cover or that kill em, killing uh, you know, color combo that I'm going to rip off for my next album design. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> nice for me to say. I, I think I've heard that. Um, yeah, man, you're, you're killing it so much uh, in the design stuff right now. You, you're still up to your eyes in that? Or are you finally saying no to some people? No, it's still really busy. Um, <laughs> I have, I have, no, I don't, I don't say no too often, but um, I have a little bit, but yeah, no, it's busy. And I think initially I was like, oh man, there's with the pandemic, I'm like, nothing's going to, I'll be not doing anything. But I, 2020 was my busiest and most profitable year in eight That's years of, of doing design work only because i think people are like a lot of people are like getting records together so i've had so many oh, yeah. i've had so many album designs it's like insane 14 yeah. records I yeah mean, that or yeah it. or like just album like digital album covers or you know like i've had so many of those um which is cool and i understand like i'm doing the same thing myself like just trying to how can i stay creative and how can i stay like producing content and keeping stuff out there with without being able to do gigs so you know i, I understand that so that's why we're here yep yeah right yeah seriously we're adaptable that's what we do as as musicians you know we have to like keep creating and keep moving regardless of what else is happening you know so i'm not i don't think i'd be the first guy to start a part a part a podcast um because i'm typically despite outward appearances, so introverted, but um, forcing myself to try this particular medium has so many other fringe benefits because you really have to get to know somebody a little bit um, before right. or during uh, one of these things. Right. And right. Then when you're engaged like this, I'm hearing about all these wonderful things that you're doing. And I was aware of them, but hearing about them through you is inspiring to me. Just like, you know, I got up and played, trumpet for a couple hours this morning but now i feel like you know writing some music because yeah fucking jamie's over here being all fucking creative what oh, am i doing man it's a balancing act though man i i have yeah. to see like like you said that like if anything i've been ignoring the trumpet <laughs> so oh like, you could yeah. you could pick it up any old day that, of the week and sound fantastic that's nice of you to say but it's not true but uh <laughs> the, i have been playing a little bit but um you know with no gigs it's tough so i you know i i yeah. with with uh the the little time i have i'll definitely try to my my old my excuse me my youngest son number three of four uh is just started trumpet in school this year so he's been actually making me practice more than anybody because he's getting into nice. it and he's super serious about it and he's like hey dad let's play I'm like, okay 
Yeah, we still have to get that yeah. routine yeah. session. We're gonna do it. We go. We'll definitely yeah. do that. Um, but, but my horn's staring at me right now. Yeah, Matt too. It's it's like sitting right here. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I have. Yeah, if anything, like that's been what's gotten kind of knocked down the totem pole a little bit um, is the trumpet. So definitely, um, you know, gigs coming back. That'll that'll be great. That'll be a joyous moment for everybody. I'm a little nervous about returning to the normal world because it quarantine and COVID um, is so tragic on so many levels. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to get out of this. Right. Um, and to really discover, I, I think it's natural to discover all the aspects of COVID. So the right, right now there's the tragedy of what happened. Right. And the, the tragedy of our response to it. Right. Um, and the tragedy of like no work and nothing, but, and there's no buts about it. There's right. no qualifiers. To it. Right. Having said all that, it's this incredible pause for all of us that have been looking for time to release, mm -hmm. you know, fringe projects right. or for me, it's been, you know, remembering what it's like to shed every day. Cause it, mm. it's, yeah. It's been so long that it's been like, oh, fuck, I got this gig coming up. I got to learn these fucking notes. Right. Not like, let me work on my sound. So mm. the last nine months have been like, oh, I got nothing else to do except try to make the most beautiful sound out of my trumpet. Right. And I almost don't want to return to just having to work stuff up for a gig because I know when gigs do return, it's going to be, oh, my God, I've got to play that lick. I have to practice that lick only for yeah. these two weeks. Right. You know? I feel that too. And, and I, I'm with you and I agree. And also I'm, I'm a huge introvert. Like I'm actually very happy just like sitting in my basement in front of a computer or, you know, like being by myself and in my, inside my own head writing yeah. or whatever, like in that regard, pandemic aside, like it's forced us to do that. But also you find, I've found comfort in it. And I'm home every Me day. Too. I got four kids. I got wife, family, and like, in a, in a in a weird way, yeah, I haven't had any gigs in the last year. But like, I and I miss playing. I'm not gonna lie. I definitely miss playing and and being with my friends and making music with my friends. But um, I'm totally happy doing this too. Me too. And fulfilled, you know. So that's been strange going from. Um... I mean, there's the gig aspect of it. There's the work yeah. there's right. with the friends, but right. so much of my fringe opportunity um, that added to my career was based on hanging, um, you know, getting to know lots of people, right? just being at, at a ton of shows, connecting people, connecting shows. Mm -hmm. And like, obviously there's none of that right now. Right. So a lot of what I did was right. just, just disappeared. Right. But now I'm like, I don't want to go back to that. I'd rather just sit at home and practice. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, right. I'll go. I, yeah, I think that point in my life where I, I, I went out to see shit shows mm -hmm. just to be at shows. Right. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, man. You better have something to say in the bandstand or I'm not coming out. Right. Right. That's a good, that's a good point. You need a good place to be at too. I mean, shit, that makes me feel like I better be saying something on the bandstand or stay the fuck home. Mm. You know what I mean? There you go. How many times yeah. have I played a gig where I'm like, all right, well, 
I know these seven guys know these 12 standards. Let's just get it over with. <laughs> you know, like I never yeah. want to play a gig like that again. Right. I want to do everything with intent. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I feel that. I, I'm, I'm at that point because I had to get to that point with four kids. Right. I look, I can look back at, at, um, sort of my personal timeline and be like, okay, I, I have to quit every band I'm in and anything I'm doing is my own project really, you know, unless it, yeah. it either works out with my schedule and my family schedule, or it pays like a decent amount of money where it's worth it. And, right. and that's no slight on anybody. Cause I love everything I was doing. Oh, I love making music and, and being out there and running around. Like it's fun. But, um, when it gets to a certain point, you're like, well, you know, is it, is it worth it with, for the, my life situation, you know? And yeah. so I had, yeah, I got to a point where I was like, no, I was in like all, like all these different bands, like working and wedding bands and this and that. And it was like, um, got to a point where I was like, okay, no, I have to have a hundred percent control of my schedule. Like I just can't be on the whim of somebody else's. Like if I, I, you know, have to be at a rehearsal or something that's out of my control. Like, no, right. I have to just be, be in a hundred percent control of that part of it. So, but I, it also feels good too. And like, right. like we're saying about the design stuff of music too, like having just saying no to certain things, you know, like. It, it sucks, but it's necessary to grow as an artist. Like you yeah. can't do all things for everybody. Right. It's just impossible. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Yeah. But the thing that you're so good at though, is helping others. And you've helped me immensely in so many different ways. And I know you have for other people too, but that's where I, where it's, I don't view it as like, you know, saying no or whatever, like immediately, like I just got a call for something the other day and I, one of my former students, um, it was for a transcription gig or something. And I was like, yeah, just, I was just up front. I don't have time to do that, but man, so-and-so would do great. And here's their number, nice. you know, and, but, you know, and Spin it that way, you know, but you're so good at that. You're so good at facilitating and helping uh, others and connecting people. And, and, um, but, but there is kind. a point, but there is a thing though, too, about our own ego and like not wanting to just like say no to, you know, like, oh man, I got to line up as many things as I can, you know, to make it look a certain way or something. It's, it's our own ego, you know, like that, yeah. that makes it hard to do that. See, that's what I think quarantine has taught me is that it's yeah. been this because it's been a big pause, it's also been a great equalizer um, because right. nobody is working. Right. So yeah, you don't feel bad about having to like keep up with somebody else. Right. Like, you know, but that's up as much because you can't, nobody is. Yeah. Nobody is, but it's also teaching me like how important it is to not do that. You know, like, in fact, I had that experience, that feeling this morning. Cause I was like, Oh, all right. We got, I'm going to talk to Dr. Jamie today. We're going to try to like start a podcast and see what, see how this goes. And then I was like, Oh fuck, wait a minute. Um, I usually don't plan a whole lot on Saturday because that's the time I can chill out from my week. So, right. right. You know, fuck, should I have done this on a, a weekday? Uh, I mean, I'm, though I'm, I'm happy we're getting yeah. starting, but right, right. Um, it's like just my nature to go, okay, uh, I'm going to write down 7,000 names of people I want to talk to and I'm going to get, I'm going to do them all this weekend. Yeah. It's going to be great. Like, no, fuck all that. I'll yeah. talk to one person like every yeah, month. Yeah. And spread it out. Yeah, exactly. And... Yeah. Make it at your pace and, and don't kill yourself over it. Right. But that's our nature though. It's like you're oh, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, look at, look at that guy over there. He's working. I, I have to be working that much. I uh, get, I get tremendously like 
uh, restless if I'm not busy. Yeah. I get yeah. crazy in my own skin. Like I have to go, I'm like, I'll just start cleaning shit or something. Like, I don't know what, if I'm like, what am I, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something all the time. Cause I usually yeah. am, you know, between teaching and family and music stuff and design stuff. Yeah. I am running around. Like even, even in the pandemic, I'm still pretty busy, but it's like, if I don't have something, I'm like, I like look for something. Like, what right. should I be doing? I'm like, all right, I'll make a record label or, you know, man, there's whatever. a, there's a great, great quote. Uh, be careful what you, you know, spend your time on because those things turn into habits, turn into mm. years, turn into your life, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Uh, so be, be specific with what you spend your time on. So mm -hmm. like, we're, we're the kind of people that need to be doing something, but yeah. uh, that has to be guided or yeah. else you spend your whole life, you know, kind of nipping and tucking everybody else's project without mm -hmm. ever ha having created something of substance. Right. Your own. That's why it's right. Right. fantastic to watch these recordings and all the design that you do. Cause mm -hmm. it's very, it's, it's still your voice. You might be like yeah. designing records for somebody else, but they're, they're your designs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're your sounds. That yeah. You make records. Yeah. I right. hope so. That's, I hope so. Yeah. That's the, that's the idea at least. So you, you don't use, uh, the traditional tools when you do design you use uh you don't well you don't use creative suite what, what yeah. do you use man it's so funny and i'm always like embarrassed to even say like so when i no, when i started doing it, it I, looks great. I was doing like um posters for myself and that's how i got into design the design world i, I suppose was just like um promoting my own gigs and whatnot um for or you know just for myself and and I look back at at those posters and they're awful. I mean, they're just they're hysterical. The, the like the first ones I tried to make, and uh, they're literally like Google images with like. <laughs> probably I did it in like Microsoft Word or something, you know. Oh like, boy. <laughs> I'm sure they still looked great though, man. You talk shit about them now, but I bet they're great. Oh no, no, they're not. They're definitely not. They're definitely. Not. <laughs> but at, at the time, I was teaching. It was in teaching in Fox Point and. The school of computers had picked is a program called Pixelmator, which is right, like right. it's still cool and I use it. I still use it, but it was on the school computer, so it's like a very, I would say like a like a just like a lesser Photoshop. You know, it's like a very user friendly. It's meant for somebody who doesn't know anything to like jump jump in and be able to edit photos and stuff. So I just was like, yeah, let me try Pixelmator because it's on my school computer. You know, so I just started. Yeah using that and over time like just got kind of comfortable using that program and um you know eventually like actually just started like kind of studying design on my own you know like getting books on design and like um checking out things on youtube and like just trying to improve myself because you know like music in a way i got just kind of bitten by it and got interested in it and um over time like it, it got to the point where people were like asking me, Hey, like who made that poster for you for your gig? And I was like, well, I didn't know. Like, oh, can you make me one? I'm like, sure. So I was just like, and I, at first it was just like for friends for free. It was like, uh -huh. get, you know, doing it, doing it, doing it. And then like, um, very organically it got to the point where, you know, people started asking me and I was like, well, I'm actually kind of busy making posters for my friends 
but like, okay, I can do one for you for like 20 bucks or something. You know, and I, it was like ridiculously cheap because I, I felt guilty even like charging anything because I didn't really know what I was doing. But, um, you know, gradually it just turned into like a business. And actually just came uh, up, it came up in my Facebook timeline. It was eight years ago, like last week. I saw that. That I, that yeah. I started doing it, yeah. Um, I can't believe it's only been eight years. It feels I, like you've been doing this your whole life. Right, yeah. And in, in a way, too, like it feels like it's kind of part of me and like part of what I do, too. And I can't, I, it's kind of funny to think about like before I did it. Like I don't, I don't really remember not doing it, even though it's only been eight right. years. But yeah, like, a, yeah, there were a few people like early on that, had somewhat of a name but even like at the time like marquis hill was one of the first people actually he may have even still been in chicago i think he was yeah. pretty you know he was actually but when he started ha having me make him stuff and then um adam larson was another one who i know you know adam and and uh, yeah. he he used me on a bunch of stuff early on and then still i just did his book most recent book cover and pretty much every so, uh, i think all of his albums i've done at least since um, the one he did on uh, Inner Circle. That was the first one I did of his. Yeah, I remember seeing his a poster for his, I think for his graduate recital at MSM. And oh, no, you, could, you, you probably are the one that maybe connected me with him, actually. In hindsight, yeah. I told yeah. him, Adam, you got a great, you're really great. Call my buddy Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've done that with me a few times. You'd be like, hey, uh, I'm going to send you something and I'm going to cover it. But like, you know, it was for someone else. It was really cool of you to do that. Um, but in both from both sides <laughs> to pay me, but also to, to help a friend out with it too. That was very cool of you. A lot of the time people don't. Well, they don't know. They don't know what to do or like how to do it. Yeah, yeah, they right. don't know what to do. Yeah. And it's so important. Yeah, it's so important. So important. I mean, how many times have you picked up a shitty record oh. and you're like, I hate to judge a book by a cover, but this looks awful. I'm not going to listen to this. Seriously. And honestly, it's funny because you and I will just like send each other stuff now. And then like, man, get a load of this. How bad this is. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to say any names. Oh, right man. Here, yeah, there's some, yeah, there's some bad stuff out there that, you know, and, and um, what, you know, the, the cover of the record or the poster for the gig, it's like, what's going to draw people in? Like immediately, there's so much stuff out there. You got to cut through somehow, you know? But yeah, I think Adam, now that I think about it, you probably introduced me to Adam too. And then Adam yeah. introduced me to Matt Wilson and, you know, ended up nice. Matt doing a ton of stuff for Matt, like a couple of records of his and like ton of posters and other things. And then, you know, he's on the Rope-A-Dope thing too, which was yeah, awesome. yeah, totally. Like, that's how I met Matt and like we played a few gigs, other gigs together since then too. So a lot of these things like in, in the music world, so small, you know, it's like one one person is all you need to connect to like, 10 more you know man that's a beautiful example i think uh for students is this little arc that you just described uh mm -hmm. where you have this skill that's not playing music right uh it, it's this beautiful design you do and how that got you connected with a guy like matt wilson mm -hmm. but then you were also had uh you know you're such a beautiful trumpet player that when it, the opportunity to take the design thing and move it to the music side, you know, you were, uh, you were ready to take advantage of the opportunity because you, you still, it's not like you gave up all the trumpet stuff to do the design stuff. Right. It was, it was right. just an addition so that when you had the opportunity to pl actually play music with some of those fantastic name musicians mm -hmm. that you were able to rise to that, to that level, not rise to that level. You were always there, but you were, 
you have the chops to take advantage of the situation. Right. You know, I, th- I think a lot of people, they, they look at that side hustle uh, and they either think that that's uh, the only w- avenue they can spend their time. Right. So that when they get to the thing that they've been going after the entire time, they're not ready right. to take advantage of it. Right. You know. Right. That's a good, that's a good point. And I, yeah, I always think of myself like in terms of just me being me, but then there's also these, like, I'm a teacher full time, you know, and that's oh boy, like yeah. a big chunk of my energy and time and, and thinking about teaching and like how to get better and that. And then there's the musician and then there's the designer too. And then there's obviously like, not lastly, but my family as well. Like that takes a big chunk of my time and energy. So it's a, it's a balancing act. Blows my mind. These, these four things that you do. Yeah. But it's funny too, because I think, I think about that. No, that's, it's all, I think about it. And I think about, sometimes I, I think, man, I'm like such a hack as a designer and I'm such a, like, I, I wish I could spend more time on the trumpet. And I'm like, like I get down on myself about, but those people that I deal with in each of those areas, like most of them don't know that I do those other three things you know like if i'm a designer like right. they're just emailing me out of the blue or hiring me or whatever to do design work for them they don't know i'm also a full-time teacher or a trumpet player or uh you know a family man and likewise that in my school world you know uh-huh. even though other people i work with don't realize like maybe i'm like got this design business and i got like a life of you know musician life and and that, and conversely, as a musician too, if someone calls me for a gig or something, they also don't might not know that I'm a teacher and a designer and a family. And I, I always like feel weird about like like using that as an excuse or like you know I have, but like if someone's like pressuring me on a particular design job or something, they're like, hey man, you know what? I'm also and I'll I have thrown that out. Like I'm a teacher. I'm also I got kids and I'm a musician too. Like actually, design is probably like fourth on the list of of pro, not priority, but like maybe priority. Yeah, like it, you know. And so yeah, I feel weird about using that sometimes as as like an excuse or like a crutch. Do you feel like it's but, necessary for you to compartmentalize those four aspects? Because I I always find it music to design I'm doing a has podcast been pretty right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, hi. <laughs> is that your lovely wife, or is that one of your kids? No, it's Jessica. I have to. Lies of that dance right now. <laughs> like the timing couldn't have been better for that to happen. But yeah. Yeah. Right. I keep getting her. I'm like, all right now. But um, no. But I do feel the need to compartmentalize it. I think sometimes. Yeah. Just for sanity, some for you know, sanity. it's like. I... And I also want to be the best I can be at at, at all of them. So, and there's definitely points at which they all overlap too. Like obviously music and teaching and, and even design, like I'll design stuff for school sometimes, but like, um, as far as like in my head, it's like, okay, I kind of have to switch one thing off and another thing on like design, for example. And like, if I'm in a mode where I have to work on a project or something, I'm like, I'm like reading about design. I'm like checking out YouTube videos or podcasts or whatever for that. And like, Likewise for music and and or t- and teaching too, like the same thing. I kind of feel like I have to like turn one thing off and like turn another thing on when I switch between doing those different things. But what's the next big thing on your plate? Um, well the the Rope Dope album. Yeah, I can't wait to get that that cooking. Get that one going. I'm super stoked about that, and 
And uh, so that's like the next thing probably. Um, but also I've got a few other smaller, like little remote projects I've been starting to work on too since the pandemic and, you know, not being able to um, perform a gig or whatever. So um, there's actually uh, an album I'm working on with a, a friend of mine from high school. Like we went to high school together and he is a great musician and he lives in Racine here, but we went to school together at EWM, Jay Mollerskov. He plays the guitar. Yeah. And um, he's also a brilliant electronic musician. And he, he does these incredible compositions with like, um, like analog synths. Like those crazy, I don't need, I can't even, I don't know what it is or how the things with the plugs and the, it's like crazy <laughs> stuff. Like, and so we we're doing a record where I'm actually sending him trumpet sounds and he's just messing with them through the analog synth and making beats and patterns and stuff out of that, out of the trumpet sounds. And then he sends them back to me and then I improvise over that again. And then we're just kind of layering it back and forth, adding more and more stuff. So we're going to do a, an album of that. Um, I didn't so, know Jay did that kind of stuff. I oh, only yeah, know his no, guitarist. He's, yeah, he's wild, man. It's, he's got a whole room in his house filled with these like analog synths. And um, I, I don't know if it's more, maybe more of a recent thing if, that he gotten into, but he was a composition major in college and got way into like electroacoustic things and like very weird contemporary music tape and tape loops and all this kind of wild stuff. So I think he's always been in interested in it but i know he's actually he does it like like pre-pandemic he was doing like live shows with it and stuff amazing oh so, yeah does he so, do it under his own name or is there another band that he oh, does yeah it? he's got a soundcloud i think it's just his name on soundcloud James. oh i gotta check this out man. yeah it's nice. really cool it's really cool even like some techno stuff but he's doing it all with these like analog synths and it's killing so um we had been talking about doing something together like a few years ago and so this again the pandemic has kind of pushed pushed it on us. Like, hey, well, why don't we do that now? We can do it remotely. I'll send them send you some recordings to work with, and and that back back and forth. And then, uh, so Jay and I are working on that. And then I've got another um, remote project I'm working on with an old friend um, named Matt Meixner. And Matt and I were in a band called Hudson in like the mid '90s and late '90s. Ooh. Matt's another one who's like. Um, analog synth guy like he's got all the fender roads and like whirlitzers and like moogs and all that stuff and like little he's got this crazy old like little drum machine i don't even know what it is it's not like an 808 or anything but so he and i are doing a, a remote thing too and it's nice that's different we're just working on like one track right now and that one's a little maybe a little more involved we're like sending it like devin's gonna play drums on it like maybe throw some, have someone else put some guitar on it but um so just finding like little ways to to maintain you know something some, yeah, maintain uh, yeah, the like, thing yeah like, oh, i've got i've got to do this track for so and so and like or get finished this thing that I, composition or whatever i'm working on so yeah so how important is your um like physical setup um because i find that i'm either i'm like very manic about it i'm I either have to have like a perfect setup with the perfect mic, um, mm -hmm. the whole nine yards, like mm -hmm. corner of the, the room, the studio that, or um, I bring everything into my bedroom where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. Like this is where I play routine every day. Right. And I throw everything on the bed. I grab a bunch of cables yeah. and I just go. Just haphazardly or whatever. Yeah. 
right um, do, do you do you feel like you have to have like okay that's where my keyboard goes and that's where my trumpet stands and if if everything's not in its right place i can't make any fucking music or, or you just go for it no more the latter like having a space because um you know my house is kind of wild i mean i i'm surprised you didn't hear the dogs barking <laughs> like it's just like there's always something going on and, and people running right. around and stuff so having like more of a dedicated space is better for me i suppose right uh, yeah you know, and then i didn't even always have that like that's another pandemic thing it's like we we cleaned uh -huh. out the basement a bit and like my daughter is like very into dance and she's uh I, we created like a little dance studio area for her and like laid down some hardwood floor and like a, put up a mirror and stuff over in the other corner of the basement like just over there but then i've got a little music studio area here we've got the roads got a computer got some speakers and a mic and stuff set up and just like a little corner and i got music stand here and like some papers here and so it's like it's just like a little workspace so yeah for yeah. me it's more like the second thing like having not that it has to be that way it's just like it it helps me to kind of get in the space a little bit better yeah it's it sounds like an extension a little bit of the compartmentalization is yeah that yep and now that now that you mentioned it i while i do spread out when i'm getting creative mm -hmm. um i i also have my my design station which is in the in the other room which i have my imac and right it's very that's where like the business takes place mm -hmm. and you know but if i'm going to create something i kind of like to relax and um right. you know, like really create not work for hire kind of stuff you know to get in that mindset right you know, yeah. when I, when I lived a little further uptown with, with, uh, with Mikey, um, I had that more in my bedroom mm -hmm. and I had, you know, like an 88 key stuff for, right. I thought I had to have all that big ass shit for yeah. writing big band. Right. right. And then I found myself writing most of my music on my fucking, you know, see if it's sitting here. Um, well, it's in the other room, but on my little, yeah, 23 lap keyboard, I've written big band music on that thing. Sure. You know? Right. Cause it, cause it's comfortable to sit on the couch while I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. Honestly, for, for, yeah, I, I, for my design stuff, I, I do 90% of it, like sitting in my lazy boy. Like 90% of it. I and, like the sound of that. Yeah. Yeah. You got usually the TVs on the kids are doing their thing on their phone or whatever next to me, the dog sitting on the floor next to me. You know, your living room is it is there there's a tv and a couch and then there's your lazy boy is that how it works uh yeah pretty much yeah pretty much that that's like that's very wisconsin of you <laughs> yeah because I, I think about you know there's not the space for that kind of shit and right, right. most of the apartments i'm familiar with in the last right. decade of my life right 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 um, and i tried really hard to convince laura to just put two lazy boys in the in the <laughs> living room instead of a couch but she she never went for that one surprisingly didn't didn't buy that yeah man it's very wisconsin yes <laughs> is, is your lazy boy only are you the only person allowed to sit in your lazy boy 100 percent right yes. yeah buddy <laughs> yes. I mean, people try to sit in it but I'll, I'll, the dog will try to lay in it the cattle or something you know like nope time you gotta go now like <laughs> That's great. Dad chair. It's a dad chair. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, man. Give my best to your fam. Well, do. Good to see you, brother. Yeah, you too, Andy. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, you too. Bye.